Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Indeed we are, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. As we talk the world of sports with you, localize it as best we can, and we're here with you for the next couple of hours every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Glad you are with us. Coming up on the program today, Bama Bob, Trent, and I, for the final time this year, will recap a uh, college football game. Uh, Bama Bob slides in here about 10.20, guessing he's not in the best of moods today, but uh, I've always found uh, Bama, although it doesn't happen often that uh, Bama comes on after a Bama loss, uh, he's usually uh, pretty good spirits and uh, understands what happened in the football game and his team, uh, well, they got their fannies kicked last night. Alex Halstead's going to join us. He covers Iowa State 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert. I'm looking at you, Trent Cogman. You got it! Uh, for affirmation, uh, Cyclone Alert, uh, Alex Halstead will preview Baylor, take a look at two announcements from yesterday. The Keem Butler kind of uh, flew under the radar a little bit, didn't make the paper, at least didn't make the paper that showed up at my doorstep in Ankeny. The, uh, obviously the other two that happened, the Anthony Nelson and the David Montgomery, but Hakeem Butler at about just seemingly uh, right around the start of last night's national championship game that uh, Tommy Birch broke the story. Uh, good for Tommy getting that, uh, getting that scoop. And you know what? I want to take that one step further. Good for a couple of I- other Iowa State media members, Alex Halstead and Dylan Montz, both of whom uh, we have on this program, giving credit where credit is due. Trent, I'm always struck by the Major League Baseball uh, reporters, the guy that cover not teams, mm-hmm. uh, but the John Heymans, uh, the Buster Olneys. Uh, who am I missing? There's a couple of b- other big ones out there. The Ken Rosenthal's. Uh, they are willing on Twitter to credit who actually had the story first. Don't see enough of that, in my opinion, in uh, in all the media. Uh, but both uh, Halstead and Mons giving credit to Tommy Birch for getting the scoop last night on uh, the Hakeem uh, Butler. Not that we didn't expect it. It's just we didn't expect it to be at 7 o'clock last night, uh, just seemingly hours after uh, David Montgomery made his announcement. So Halstead will come in here. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what's left of the receiving core. An area of concern, in my opinion, although there are some grad transfer rumors out there, and Halstead uh, gave us one last week when he joined us. Maybe he can put that name uh, to it that he's kind of watching um, that may or may, end, uh, may or may not end up in Iowa City. Then Zuba Mahente, or Iowa City in Ames. Um, uh, Zuba Mahente will join us, the final guest of the program. He's 11.15. We always do a long segment with Zubin. He's a, a regular guest. He joins us each and every Tuesday, his schedule permitting. Uh, our show's better forward as we you know, go around the world of sports with Zubin. It's tough to it's tough to stump Zubin. I know stump the Schwabs in the ESPN <laughs> deal. Stump Zubin Mahente. That's a whole other ball of wax. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, fun game last night. Not a great game, but fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for different reasons, right? Um, yes. I, just the 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 you know what kicking. Look, I I thought Clemson would win the football game. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you I thought that they were going to blow out Alabama. I mean, nobody I don't think saw a blowout in that football game coming, and that's that's what we saw. We saw Tua rattled early. Uh, we saw a a Clemson team that was just Trent head and shoulders in every single aspect better uh, than than the. Team that held the number one distinction all season long. 
Well, Alabama didn't want to be there. I'm, well, I'm, come on. Is that that? Well, that's what we hear when the SEC loses, right? Yeah, but you know what? That that there's some truth to that. I mean, and, and, and we had a caller the other day. I thought he put it right, hit the nail on the proverbial head. He's telling me Drake's only his touchdown better than Iowa State. Yeah, who wanted to be there that day? Did Iowa State want to be there the first Saturday in December in Ames? No. Did Drake? Absolutely. Um, but Alabama, Trent. Look at we saw the two best teams. In college football last night. And one of the so-called two best teams curb stomped the other. Yes. I mean, in every aspect of the game, Trent. And how about the freshman-to-freshman connection? Lawrence to Ross. I mean, if you're a fan of a team in the ACC, it's kind of like a fan of the AFC West. No, Mahomes going to be there for 10 years. I mean, <laughs> Lawrence and Ross have another two years of this. Wow. I told you about Ross yesterday. I, I love that kid. Yes, and you did. In fact, you told me about him earlier, but you did so for the first time on Yes, yes. And it's... Uh, Clemson was great. They were great. The, the pick six right away uh-huh. set the course in motion. And that, what a play by that kid, too. I mean, yes. reading it with his eyes, coming off his man, and Tua did not see him. That wasn't just jumping around. No, that, that was knowing what was coming. Yes, absolutely. And the the defensive staff, what they put together, they confused Tua at times. Yeah. How about Venables, huh? What do you think Oklahoma's thinking right about now? Ooh. Yeah, be nice to have that guy for the last know, five years. I know it. You wonder, right? You Running really that do defense. wonder. That's a very good point. Uh, but um, you know, here, here's the thing. Yes, I was okay with Clemson and, and the way they did it, blowout fashion. But you want the last game of the right. year, right? You don't. You want a little. You know, five minutes left in the game. Do you want to be on the edge of your seat? Not that you have a dog in the fight. I know you did. <laughs> I mean, there's a, a game, dog. right? Right. There's a scoreboard. Literally. There's a pretty good chance. You've yeah, you did. You've got you've got some action on the game. But um, and thank you to Jason Symbol who yesterday told us that there are a lot of people laying the three and a half with Clemson, mm. getting that plus two thirty five. Did you do that at your? I thought it's illegal like bookmaking operator or booking operation. It, it felt like a good idea. And well, if a professional like Jason Symbol, who is the what risk manager. President of Risk. If he's saying those things, well, I got to jump aboard. So you found an offshore illegal shop that was willing to take that action or offer that up? I did. Same prices you were getting in Vegas? Yeah, plus 235. Nice. I was happy with that one. I guess you were. And you, uh, you know, as, as everybody, A, if you bet the over, it was essentially over after the end of the first 15 minutes. You had to think that that was a foregone conclusion. Um, and then if you had Clemson on the money line or anything, you knew that you were looking pretty good. Well, you know, there were some totals that were at 61. I saw that. Yes, I did see that. It, it, it moved as the, uh, yeah. as the money came in. So you're right. There some, There's a few people that didn't true. get it. That's true. And felt like they were home free uh, at any point in that football Always game. get the best price. You did. Uh, what, what did you think of, of, of Lawrence's game last night? I mean, Trent, I, I thought the nerves early on, I mean, he overthrew a couple of guys. Um, and underthrew a guy, and then and then yeah. threw one one of his tall receivers overthrew him by about I mean ten ten feet over his head on a guy on a sideline pattern, uh, a little out. But I mean, this kid Trent, my God, he's a freshman. He was in high school last year. He was in high school last year. He's six foot five, two hundred what two hundred twenty pounds? I think yeah. they said at this point. Um, you know, he's ready to come out now, probably. He I is, know you yeah. can't. He's got to play another couple of years. Maybe Would she... you like to see that change? Uh, well, who does it benefit? It benefits the NFL. Benefits the player. Oh, oh the way that, it, cases. that it's currently constructed. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of the, course. The NFL's got a feeder system, so mm-hmm. they're going to be in no hurry to change this thing. Um, a no-cost minor leagues. That's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. 
It's exactly, oh, but they get to sit at the desk. Don't tell me that these athletes don't get anything. They get a chair in a classroom. A class, I might remind everybody, that would go on whether that athlete is sitting in that chair or not. Save that for another day. That's a, that's a good segment killer in about May, June, and July, <laughs> uh, or maybe even April. But um, would I like to see that rule change in some cases? In some cases, it benefits kids. I mean, kids get stars in their eyes, and they want an opportunity to – you know, to, to play what they've always dreamt of doing, and that's being an NFL player. I don't think you, you know, you, when you first start playing the game, I don't think in most cases you start by, you know, in the backyard dreaming of playing college football. Maybe you do. I think you, you grow up, you know, you want to play in the NFL. You want to play in the elite league, the world's best league. Um, but they're not ready in a lot of cases. You're not ready. Leonard Fournette was really the last one that I think generated that. Do you remember him? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember what a beast he was? Mm-hmm. And you know why? Why should he have to come back and and risk getting injured uh, in his junior season? That's a fair point because I think he was ready for it. He seemingly was the last one that people were. And he hasn't he, been very good in the NFL. No, he hasn't been very good in the NFL. No. That's a good point. He's not. Uh, he's not a very good team player in the NFL. That's as true well. too. In fact, uh, he's in the doghouse, and that uh, the running back coach of Jacksonville, which is a just a dumpster fire. It is. I mean, how both of them, me Coughlin. Uh, I mean, everybody survived there. I, I don't understand, but I'm not going to talk about Jacksonville Jaguars football <laughs> here today. We've got other things to get to. So, um, you know, your biggest takeaway, I guess, from last night was what? It is that we're going to get this again next season. Even with the losses Clemson's going to have on that defensive front, and mm-hmm. even with what Alabama's going to lose, get ready for. The fifth battle, mm-hmm. right? That's that's mm-hmm. how it's setting up. And even if one of these teams takes a loss in the regular season, it's going to set up again. We'll see this in the playoff, more than likely in the championship game. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I like it. I haven't seen TV rating-wise. Yeah, it was down. I just saw them. They just came out. They okay. were down uh, significant. Let me see if I can find it. It's not too far back on Twitter. Clemson's blowout winner of Alabama delivers a 14.6 rating. lower Lowest for college football's national championship game since Bama LSU in 2012. Mm-hmm. That was the rematch, right? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, of that November, first Saturday in November game. Thriller last year with Bama, Georgia got a, did a 16.7. So 16.7 last year, 14.6 this year. I don't think it was the fatigue. I think it was the football game itself. Um, yeah. Bound didn't score in the second half, right? It was 16 at, they had 16 at halftime. Yeah, 28-16. Right. Yeah. Um, think about that. Right. They didn't score. It was a blowout. It was a blowout. Um, if you're going to make these grandiose statements that, oh, college football, nobody cares about this anymore, realize the game, the games that we've had in the past, mm-hmm. which came down to the wire, and of course we know TV ratings continue to build sure. when that happens. This is a blowout. Mm-hmm. It was fun to watch. It was. Uh, it was fun to watch. I mean, I, no dog in the fight. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I wish it was a closer game, but uh, not not bad overall. You know, and overall, uh, football ratings television-wise, up again, whether it be college or, well, with the exception of last night, or certainly the NFL, people uh, tuned in and watched football this uh, this year. Uh, so, so good on them for that because, um, you know, it's kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face if you weren't watching the football last night. Um, most valuable player in the football game was, was – uh, Trevor Lawrence problem with that I don't know he's a quarterback right mm-hmm. yeah he's gonna he's gonna be tapped out what about Tua's performance was it I don't think it was injury related one little bit I know he no. came out and he had that his right hand taped I mean he throws the ball he's right handed but throws it left yes 
Uh, there was no chatter about the ankle, really, although that piece that uh, um, the surgery they had on his ankle, uh, Zubin sent that to me from uh, ESPN.com. That was a fascinating uh, watch before the game last night, um, just to see how they pulled off that whole thing. But I, I don't know if Tua was just rattled for the first time in his college career or what, but... He was rattled against Georgia, too. He was, but you know, there's the thing that my still my takeaway from him, even after last night, the accuracy, the two interceptions notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a guy in college football who throws the ball into tighter windows, throws the ball before his guy cuts, throws the ball and gives his receiver nine times out of ten an opportunity to run after the catch? I mean, he's so damn accurate, Trent. He's the number one pick in 2020, and then Trevor Lawrence in 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very simplistic, but tank for Tua, tank for Trevor. <laughs> yes, that's very good. Is those should we should we uh, copyright those now? In Never a, win a, for Trevor. Never win for I, then, I tank for Trevor. Baby. Yeah, yeah. Not but you can't use them both, right? Well, why can't you? Oh, you could. Why can't you? You make a call to your lawyer. Get those locked yeah, in. Yeah, I've done that too many times. Look where it's got me. Right? <laughs> I got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I had, How many had, websites do you have? Oh, God. Well, the most, I, I had 498 fanatics. I love that. At one point. I had every fanatic except Cyclone Fanatic. That's the one that actually uh, turned into That's something. The, actually, the only one. In fact, somebody reached out to me at one time. I think it was it was Cavaliers Fanatic when uh-huh. LeBron was LeBron, but he, they wanted it, obviously, for Cleveland, mm-hmm. and I was going to use it for Virginia because I was going to build an empire. Oh. And yeah. build an empire. I'll yes. tell that story one day because I hired Chris Williams at the Fanatic Network. I did. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's undeniable. You can spot talent. I can. And Chris would tell you that, too, that A, I can spot talent, and B, I brought him to the Fanatic Network. But uh, let's save that one for July as well. That sounds good. Uh, so yesterday, the news of the three players, that, uh, and we talked about two of them, uh, right? Did Anthony no, We were off the air when the we Anthony Nelson yep. news came from yesterday. I thought his decision would be last. And the only reason I say that, because I think he's ready to play in the NFL, and we said this, Although nobody heard, so he um, not nobody. That's that's unfair. But last year in December, when we were at the Liberty Bowl and we were talking, you know, we were um, talking about guys who may or may not come out um, and leave some eligibility on the table. We got to, we got to uh, talking about Iowa. And I thought Anthony Nelson was going to be the Hawkeye, along with Noah Fant, the two of them that really had the decision. I put Nate Stanley in there, to be yeah, fair, yeah. Uh, and I was dead wrong about him, but Anthony Nelson, off what we saw last year, and I remember what we said, Trent, it was, you know, another year with Doyle, watch out next year, and, you know, the numbers were there for him this year, and it's just such a deep class at the defensive end position this year that I think, and we've seen it before with Hawkeyes, and George Kittle, fifth round, yes. Desmond King, fifth round. I don't think Anthony Nelson is going to wait till the fifth round. Amani Hooker will be fifth round, well, and he'll Amani be a good Hooker NFL probably player. probably will be, too. That's a great point. Um, but it's a deep draft. That's why I thought he might come back for one more year. Yeah, because of the class. And I think that I was in the same thought process that you were. I did have a little birdie tell me, though. As, as you know, they go through the NFL Advisory Council and they get back a grade. Now, do you realize what grades they get? There's only three. It's not first round, second round, seventh round. There's two. It is first round pick, mm-hmm. second round pick, mm-hmm. go back to school. Right. That's it. Yep. He did not get a draft grade saying go back to school. Okay, so so he's probably a second-round pick, I would think. And the reason he is, again, is just so many guys. The question that I wondered, though, when I heard that, because I can absolutely see that. You look at the size, six foot seven, the speed off the edge, all those things. So what did Hooker get, then? I would guess probably go back to school. Go back to school. 
But if we both think that he's not going to be drafted the first or second day, and the second day is through th- the third round. And for him, he might just look at it and say, what can I do? What could I do in this offseason and then next season on the football field for Iowa to improve that draft mm-hmm. stock? Probably not much. Probably not. So well, just go and make that money. Yeah, I, I look. And I, get the clock started a year earlier. Uh huh. I, I don't begrudge a kid at all. No. In fact, I've pushed them. I've, I, you know, I, I'm all for it. Uh, selfishly, would have liked both uh, Nelson and Hooker to come back and be a part of that defense next year, but uh, neither one of them are going to be. So the announcement that we're waiting on, although Chad Leistico, you... He got you. He did get me, you tricky Chad Leistico, you. <laughs> Fifteen minutes before the show, Ken Miller goes, Hey! He's coming back. Hawkinson's coming back to Iowa. Right. What? So It's on here on Twitter. It is. And Leistico, what he did, he retweeted his, I'm going to continue my athletic and uh, my academic and athletic career at the University of Iowa. Well, that was in his announcement as to where he's going to go to school. Why Leistico would pick today, of all days, to put that out on Twitter... Thankfully, we were on the air. Yes. Although I'm embarrassing myself now, I guess. I kind of helped you along that path. Yeah, thanks, partner. No problem. Um, But yeah, he did get me, got me good, and I'm glad because that would have been embarrassing, Trent. One more that I wondered about Nelson. Mm -hmm. So, all right, if he did get that second round grade from the NFL Advisory Council, and that's what you were told. The little birdie told you that it wasn't go, go back to school. But is that in a vacuum? Is that mo? Hey. With what you are, what we believe you are, you're a second a, round talent. In a yes, in a standard draft, you would be a second round talent. Mm-hmm. Does that also take into account that there are eight, ten, twelve, fifteen other defensive ends? Excellent question. I would offer up a no that That's it doesn't take that, that into account. I think it's you are you have a second round talent, your second round grade. I don't think that those evaluators that are doing that at the tip of their fingers have everybody who's coming out. Yes. I think that's what it is. We got to get a break. Could be wrong, but if I had to bet, I would bet that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bama Bob is going to join us more as we recap uh, last night's game. Bama Bob joins us. Alex Halstead on Iowa State at about 1045. Zuba Mahente at 1115. You know what I want to do with you at some point in the program today? I was thinking like this last night. I don't count sheep. As I try to go to sleep. I mean, it varies, right? I was thinking about the quarterbacks who are still alive in the NFL playoffs. All right. Eight of them still there alive. There eight of them still alive. And, and I wasn't doing it this way. I was trying to figure out. I don't know why I was thinking about Tom Brady. Um, He's in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, For a decade and a half. It's true. Um, you know, just if you would rank the eight, the remaining eight NFL court, not on what they've done. But to win a game this weekend. Or to win a game this weekend or where they are now. Because Brady's, Brady, you could say, he's the best to ever play the game. Yes. You know, and, and I'm, uh, I hate to say that because I'm a huge Elway fan, right? Mm-hmm. But look at the success that Brady has had. I'm not sure where Brady ranks on that list this year going into this weekend. Eight of them left. You would assume that Brady's number one, right? Look at all the rings he's got. I don't know if he is. We'll do that at some point. That sounds you. good. Uh, Battle Bob next. We're uh, Miller and Condon, and we're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you every day from uh, 10 until noon. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword 
ball to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's ball to 200-200 right now. Message and data rates apply are thanks to EKG Golf. Let's get Bama Bob in here as we take a look at last night's game. Bama game that... um, no, really one-sided. I don't think anybody saw this coming. There was a lot of people out there not really surprised that Clemson would indeed uh, take home the national championship trophy. I think it's just stunning the way that it happened. Bama, how are you? Yeah, well, uh, Ken, first of all, I'd like to uh, change my name to Clemson Bob, Clemson. if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, we tried to find a Twitter handle, Clemson Bob, but it was taken. But <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, listen, it was stunning. Um, every ward that Alabama had throughout the year, and there, there were some, if you knew where to look, and got exposed last night. Um, you know, crappy kicking game, which really didn't come into play with the margins, but, you know, another missed extra point, ninth one of the year, um, which is incredible for, you know, since they kicked from the two. Um, very young, secondary, um, some injuries. Uh, Christian Miller, I think, you know, he wasn't going to make 28 points worth of difference, but, you know, maybe could have got some more edge pressure, and then that caused other people to play uh, out of position. Um, you know, coaching staff turnover, six new assistants this year, and, you know, and then sloppy play, you know, from Tua. Uh, the pick six, the second interception, and that, you know, that, that play there, you know, okay, fine, he threw a pick. Judy could have got the, down, the guy down at the five. And it kind of made a half-ass effort, and all of a sudden, Clemson's got the ball across midfield. Again, you know, look, bottom line is maybe other than running back, because Alabama was able to run the ball uh, efficiently until they got inside the 10, um, outside of the running back position, they got outplayed and dominated at every mm-hmm. position, mm-hmm. Uh, which which is just has not happened in the Nick Saban era. And, and I'm, I'm including coaching in that. And, you know, Brett Venables created a masterful game plan and you know one thing i'll say about that and you give them all the credit but if you think that they came up with that plan in eight days you're crazy uh they have been working on this probably since the end of the acc championship game knowing that and then you know preparing for notre dame obviously uh because you can't get to alabama unless you go through notre dame but i guarantee you that they have had some preparation going on for about a month studying uh all of tua's um, where he gets loose with throws and how to confuse him and what he does and his tendencies and everything else. And, you know, Saban as much admitted it last night in his postgame. He goes, you know, I never got comfortable with the fact that this quarterback, talking about Trevor Lawrence, you know, could make some plays against our secondary because that was the weakness of it. It was of the team. It was, it was young. It was inexperienced, not incredibly talented as they had in the past. And the one guy that's the veteran presence back there, Deontay Thompson, probably had the worst game of all of them. Uh, that first touchdown, he's watching, you know, Justin Ross, who, you know. What a player. Got a, talk about the one that got away. Um, yeah, because he's watch. an Alabama kid, right? Yeah, Phoenix City. Um, and, you know, just for whatever reason, liked Clemson, can't blame him. Um, but Thompson watched him run by. And then, you know, the the play where the, the kid got hurt, the, the last touchdown. Smith? The, yeah, Smith, where he, you know, which is probably an Achilles, it looks like. Um, you know, listen, that's going to happen, and it's unfortunate. But Thompson, again, you know, kind of could have, you know, we've seen Alabama DBs in the past that, you know, maybe that's a 20-yard play uh, instead of a 75-yard play. And uh, he was terrible, and, you know, they all had their moments. But it was just a total domination by Clemson. You give them all the credit in the world, and 
Um, you know, you can say now, I mean, listen, I don't, there's a lot of being written, oh, the, you know, the Alabama dynasty's over. Maybe it is. Uh, you know, instead of 6-10, and 10, it's now 5-10. and 10. Uh, But it's 2 out of 3 for Clemson, and I don't think they're going anywhere, uh, especially with that quarterback they have and the receiver and uh, FDM's coming back. And, I mean, just, you know, they're going to lose some on the defensive line, but they're, they they got a lot. They do have a lot coming back, and, and they play in a conference right now where Florida State's down, Miami's got a new coach, um, you know, Virginia Tech's not dominant like they have been in the past, so I don't know who's going to challenge them in that conference. Uh, they play A&M out of conference next year, but that game's in Death Valley. So you would expect Clemson to be right back in the playoff next year. It'll be a shock if they're not. Um, Alabama... If you don't like them, that's fine, but they're going to be in the mix again next year, and they're going to have, you know, probably get to A&M and, and Georgia to, to get to the uh, to the SEC back to the playoffs. So I don't think either team's going anywhere, but Clemson, you have to say, is on a par with Alabama now, at least, uh, you know, talent-wise, coaching, everything. Nick Saban is 67 years old, and one loss does not make all of a sudden that he doesn't know how to coach or anything like that, but... You look forward with this program. Is there a succession plan in place? Not obviously on paper, but is there something that makes sense to you whenever he decides to hang it up? A year, five years down the line, do you think they know what they want to do going forward? And maybe is it pointing back to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney? Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, that's the hope. I don't know if it'll happen. No, I don't. I don't wouldn't think it would now. I mean, Dabo's fifty. Okay, Um, but. I mean, listen, he has an affinity for Alabama. There's no question about it. You've seen it in the past. He was there, I think, uh, last year when they honored uh, the 92 national championship team um, that he was a part of under Gene Stallings. Uh, you know, he made a point. I think it may have even been after they, uh, after one of their losses. I can't remember. Um, but he, I know he went back. And, and was there for that celebration. He's talked about how much he loves it there. And, of course, I mean, he's also now he's found his niche in home at, at, at Clemson. Um, so I don't know that you're going to be able to get him. Uh, I think, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, if Saban were retired, maybe he would have made a move. But that's the guy they want. Um, I don't – but to answer your question, no, I don't think there there's no coaching waiting because that's part of the issue is look at all the, just the churn that goes through uh, Nick Saban assistants. I mean, he lost both six from last year, including both coordinators, you know, both who took head jobs. He's losing Mike Loxley already to Maryland. Um, uh, you know, who knows? So he's going to have to replace him, probably promote, you know, the quarterback's coach Enos up to the coordinator, but now you got to hire another guy. It's just a constant churn that's on that staff. There is, there is no Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Bowden, you know, plan or anything else like that, or, you know, Lincoln Riley, Bob Stoops kind of situation that's there. And, um, you know, it, it, it's an issue. It really is an issue. And listen, I don't know that the dining, when he decides to hang it up, whatever reason, retires, goes to the NFL, which I think is very unlikely, takes another college job, which I think is even less likely. Um, when he does decide to retire, and I was, I would, I'm guessing that's going to be in the next two to three years. I mean, I don't, I just can't see him wanting to. He doesn't need to. I mean, he's already the best, maybe ever, certainly in the top two, along with Bryant. I mean, do you really want to be coaching into your 70s? If you, I mean, especially when you're that youthful and that active, and apparently in, in good health, and you don't have much, you have nothing left to prove. So, 
I mean, it's coming sooner rather than later, but no, there's no succession plan that I'm aware of. Hmm. Uh, Bam, I want to uh, go back to just to, to Clemson for, for a second. It was um, very apparent very quickly. You know, you and I were texting early in the football game that, um, you know, every time Alabama would, uh, would, you know, throw a punch, Clemson would punch back, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I kind of think that this is the first time we've seen this, and certainly the score indicates it as lopsided as it was. Um, was Alabama, and I'm not making excuses for them, Clemson crushed them. They kicked their, you know yeah. what? Sure. They, I mean, Clemson was in a fight earlier this year. Remember the backup had to come in and save a game at yeah. one point? Alabama, did they really have that? They were pushed a couple of times, but I don't think that you know there was ever a game. Um, well, Georgia, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Hurts had to come in and save that one. I mean, there's mm-hmm. on the line that game, and you know, you can talk about them taking it as much as Georgia handed it to them uh, a little bit. But you know, listen, I, I just think we we all got so excited, everybody, you know. Up through the bye week, which was the Tennessee game, I think which was the eighth game of the year, they looked as dominant as any offense that we had ever seen in, in recent memory. I mean, Tua was just you know, hadn't even thrown an interception at that point. You know, wasn't hadn't thrown a pass in the fourth quarter through eight games because mm-hmm. it wasn't needed. They had the bye week. Uh, they played at LSU. Then they played at Mississippi State. Then they had Citadel. Then they played Auburn in the rivalry game. Then Georgia. Then Oklahoma. I don't know that they – I mean, that's a pretty rough stretch. Um, and, you know, as you as you get better you, – you face better and better teams, they figure out ways to stop you. And I just I, – I don't know – I thought – I really thought last week, last week, whenever they played Oklahoma, you know, they, they played sloppy in that game. They got out to the big lead, and then they played sloppy. And Oklahoma and, got back in it, yep. You, yeah, kind of let them back in. Mm-hmm. And give Oklahoma again credit for not quitting and, and getting back into the game. But I, I really thought, and, and there were some, there were some warts that showed there, and there were some weaknesses. And I, you, you would have thought that the thing was, oh, okay, well they kind of, they kind of got away with one. They got out of their system. Now they're going to come out. And they're going to play Alabama football. And listen, they, they shut them, you know, three and out first series. Lawrence looked nervous. Air mailed a couple balls, yep. and then Tua throws the pick, and. It it just I don't know it to me the 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 play that that kind of defined the game and they lost the game in the first half okay and, and I've seen I've seen Hoover High School do it I've seen Alabama do it I've seen every college coach I've seen the Titans do it with Derrick Henry why in the hell when you get second and goal with the one do get you tricky yes get cute yep I mean they they do that little sugar huddle they run up to the ball and then all of a sudden the right tackle who had the three penalties in Oklahoma game can't hold his water, now it's second and six, and you got to kick a field goal. I mean, to me, just go into the huddle, clap your hands, come out, walk up to the line. And give Najee Harris the ball. Yeah, here it comes. You can't stop it. And by the way, did Clemson stop Josh Jacobs in the Wildcat last night? Uh, no. Very often. Why don't you do that? Yeah. I mean, put Clinton Williams in as a lead back, for God's sake. I don't know, but don't get cute. And that and the fake the, the fake field goal just was the death. That's waving the white flag to me. Yeah, it was. That was that was the whole. We're in trouble. We're you know, and you saw him go for it on fourth and one from his own thirty five. I mean, that that told you all you need to know about mm-hmm. what Nick Saban knew this game. Yeah, that's a good point to get to. Um, and then of course the fake field goal, which was just the only dumber one I've seen, was the fake punt by Kirby Smart in the SEC championship <laughs> game. That's the truth. So maybe maybe he took maybe he learned special teams from Nick Saban. I don't know, but um, you know Alabama has been in a fight 
before, and, and I go back to the Georgia. Georgia, game. yeah, that was uh, the uh, game I was talking. I was, I'm pretty sure, it was Syracuse, right? When he got like early he, in the year, Lawrence yeah. goes out, and the backup quarterback comes yeah. in. Yeah. It was right after Kelly Bryant left. That's yeah. right, Trent. Yeah. Were, and he was still on campus. Excellent point. People Good are memory. wondering if he could make it yes. to the stadium. So it must have been late September, I want to yes. say. Yep. Yeah. yep, you're right. It was. And, and you know they had to go down and score. And listen, and we didn't know that Syracuse was pretty good at the time. Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, so, yeah, they, they kind of had their moment. Alabama had their moment. And, you know, and then – but it, it was just – guys, you look back, here's the, the staggering thing to me, Okay. Alabama got out to a twenty-one nothing lead against Oklahoma in the first, you know, in the first quarter, twenty-one nothing. Last night's fourth quarter was scoreless, just because it was mainly garbage time. In between those six quarters, they gave up seventy-eight points. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that's amazing. You know, they got out, scored seventy-eight to what 25, 27, 36, whatever. I don't know, you know, whatever the math is, but they gave up seventy-eight in those six quarters. The last three of Oklahoma and the first three of Clemson. You never see that, and that that tells you that this wasn't a great defense. This is what Saban was worried about. He he admitted as much last night, and this team kind of had the the air of we're Alabama, we've got to, uh, you know, we're we're just going to come in and and you know show up and play our game, and and they were just unprepared last night. And Clemson is the is one team, Georgia, another one that's just not afraid of them. I mean, you know, and Georgia. For whatever reason, can't beat them, and Clemson, whatever reason, can't finish the job. But it was—I mean, listen—it was a total destruction, totally earned by Clemson. Uh, they're going to be the number one team next year. By and I, King, I don't know if you saw uh, SportsCenter or not, but I mean, I know you, I know how you like uh, the Vegas lines and everything. Clemson opened up the futures for next year to win the national championship. When the game started, they were plus three fifty. Yep. Uh, by the time the third quarter was over, they were down to plus one sixty hmm. for next <laughs> year. Yeah, for next year, because <laughs> everybody was. I mean, the books are going. Oh my goodness, this team might be for real. We're not, you know we're not going to pay and it. going nowhere because they saw Ross and they saw Lawrence and they saw Etienne and yeah. I mean that the receiver quarterback two freshmen unbelievable. Bama, we're out of time, my friend. Thank you. We'll. Uh, Find reasons uh, in the off season to do this more often than we've done in previous off seasons. There's always a rule change. There's just something will percolate. Uh, we will yeah, talk so to you down the road. How about Holgerson to uh, leave the West Virginia. Yeah, range was it? And, I mean, uh, thought the same thing. Power Five Conference. But anyway, I always enjoy it, Ken, and I look forward to the next time we talk. All right, see you, Bama. Good to talk to you, Thanks, Bama sir. Bob. Trent and I uh, recapping college football. You know, we didn't recap, and there's probably a reason we did. You know, as enjoyable as anything it was of the game last night for me, watching Twitter react to Little Wayne. No, <laughs> they got you. Whew. Not your cup of tea? Thank God he showed up. He saved that halftime, Trent. Well, he's better than Imagine Dragons. I'm not sure I've heard of I I I'd heard the tunes. Uh-huh. I, I had no idea who Imagine Dragon was. And then I heard the I I've heard some of the songs that they uh, uh that they've put out there, but uh Lil Wayne. Didn't do it for you. No, didn't do it for me. And didn't do it for Twitter either. It no. was the the reactions there were comical. We'll take a time out. Alex Halstead joins us next. We'll talk Iowa State. Montgomery gone. Butler gone. Baylor tonight. That's on the topics, the list of topics uh, for Alex Halstead. When Trent and I continue, we're here until noon uh, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. 
Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, Zubin Mahente will join us, uh, ESPN Sports Center. Uh, and about a half an hour from right now. Right now, though, let's talk Iowa State, shall we? Alex Halstead is here, 24-7 Sports uh, and CycloneAlert.com. Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing good. It's uh, keeping me busy yesterday with, with football. It's not often... In past years, we've gotten a weekend of January still talking Iowa State football, but um, basketball, obviously getting into Big 12 play, and uh, Iowa State still keeping me a little bit busy with this football stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's the that's new at Iowa State, right? We're seeing guys that are leaving eligibility uh, on the field in order to turn pro, which says a whole lot about Matt Campbell's program in a positive way. Well, let's talk about Hakeem Butler. Uh, Montgomery came out about this time uh, yesterday. Oh, maybe uh, an hour or so earlier. But Akeem Butler, um, make that announcement last night. He's absolutely ready for the next level. What's the concern, I guess, with him? Is as good as he is, as athletic, as much of a mismatch as he seemingly was in college, uh, with his height and his athleticism, a lot of drops for Butler. It's seemingly at some real uh, inopportune times. Would that be the concern if you're an NFL team when you take a look at Akeem Butler? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest concern is consistency, and you know that's something that we had heard from Matt Campbell over the years. Um, you know, not maybe as much recently, but early in his career when Campbell got here, he said, you know, Hakeem Butler maybe has the most talent on this roster. I think is what he said way back in 2016. But he said the key is going to be how consistent he can be, and at times he looked consistent. But like you said, there's going to be these these plays where are just incredible plays, like the one we saw in the Alamo Bowl, and then there's ones where he just drops the easy passes. It seems like at times and. I think that's something some teams will probably overlook a little bit for the fact that he does make some of those incredible plays and could be the safety net for a quarterback. I think he's got a lot more upside than Al Mazard in terms of his athleticism, his body. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he runs in a 40. I think Trent and I have talked about this before. Is we don't really know what his 40 is, but it would be interesting to see what that comes out at, at the NFL Combine or Pro Day. So I think those things could help him is, is just the big plays in, in the body and what teams think they can do with him. But I think that's probably the biggest worry when, he, when just leaving early is, you know, if does he slip because of that? Because I think CBS Sports has him as the number seven wide receiver. Where does the number seven wide receiver go in a draft? I think that's probably the biggest mm-hmm. question is, was it worth leaving early? But, you know, he can get paid and, and all those sorts of things. And so I don't think it's probably a bad position. With Lazard and now with Butler, they, they have really had these big receivers. I know Matthew they've recruited... six four two. He's Yeah. They, they've had that guy who... Steps into that role. Is there a guy on campus or a guy coming in you think that could not replace the production we've seen out of those guys the last couple of years, but maybe take over that type of position? Yeah, that's a, that's going to be the big question probably going into spring ball and then even probably into fall camp, depending how things play out. Is you know one one thing with target or you lose really two things with Butler. One is just on the surface you lose 108 targets. They targeted him 108 mm. times this year. He got 60 passes on those targets. That's the first question, just who takes those targets, because you probably, you might maybe don't replace the target aspect of it with one player. Maybe it's divided between tight ends, as we talked about last week, yep. taking some of those, or different guys taking them. So that's the one thing, is who takes the targets. But the second thing is, like you said, who's the big-time playmaker, because you don't have this for sure guy that Brock Purdy can just throw it up to, and maybe it's going to be a catch. Like they have had, ever since Matt Campbell's been here, whether it's Lazard or Butler, who's just that safety net. And so that's the big question. It could be on campus. Um, you know, Josh Johnson, the guy that was Keen Butler's backup, but body-wise, he's completely different. He's more like 5'11 or 6 foot, so you're talking six inches shorter, and he's got a long wingspan, but 
Um, he'll, he could take some of the production, but I'm not sure he's the guy that's going to go up and just get the ball. When you look at those guys, you got Sean Saw Jr., who's six, uh, five, six, six. You know, body-wise, he's the most similar to Butler. And then Joseph Gates was a big playmaker in high school. But when you talk about those three players combined, they have one career catch, and so it's hard to rely on them. I would bet on an outside player coming in at some point. I think one name to keep an eye on, but it could take a while. Cager. Miami graduate transfer, Lawrence Cager. Um, I talked to him yesterday just briefly, and he told me Matt Campbell um, and a couple assistants are expected to come in Friday, hmm. which is the first day out of the dead period. So you know they're making a push right away, uh, but it's just going to be a matter of he's not really an under-the-radar kid, so right. you know, can they get him? And he's 6'5", right? I think he's a big kid. Go ahead, Trent. Sorry. Well, uh, speaking of that, there's a big receiver. Joseph Skates, a guy that came in with a lot of accolades, redshirted this season, had some problems. Is he back in good standing with the program? Yeah, he was dressed for the bowl game, back okay. with them for the bowl game. and um, So he's at least back, and now it's just a matter of can he, can he stay back and, and what does his development look like? Uh, Alex Halstead is our guest. Alex, let's uh, finish our last few minutes here uh, previewing tonight's Baylor-Iowa State game. Look, Baylor's a different Baylor team this year. They uh, they don't have a lot of height in the middle. This isn't a real tall uh, team with uh, mismatches that uh, you know might have been there in the past. I, I don't know what kind of team Drew has this year. I think that this might uh, be kind of a downturn uh, in Baylor basketball after what we've seen the last few years, although we know the guy can coach. Uh, Iowa State's a favorite on the road. I think that that's probably um, accurate, that they should be. It's a very winnable basketball game as the Clones look to move to 3-0 and in conference. Yeah, this feels like an important week for them because you get uh, maybe the second most winnable road game. Last week they had the, probably the most winnable road game in the Big 12 at Oklahoma State. And then you get the second one probably with Baylor, and then you come back home with Kansas State and Dean Wade's still out. So, it could be a big week to give them some cushion for the later part of the conference. And the big talking point yesterday, you know, they, Iowa State didn't say this, that Baylor probably is down a little bit. But the one thing that you always have to prepare for them is the zone, you know, the zones that Scott Drew runs. So they're, a lot of their players have not seen that. Chrome said he thinks, you know, basketball IQ with guys like Tyrese Halliburton can maybe overcome it. They've watched a ton of film on where just to be in the zone. And so that's going to be the, maybe the most interesting wrinkle. He said maybe it takes them a half to get going. Um, with that zone and figuring things out. But the key is just going to be figuring that out at some point um, to try to win this game on the road. What's the plan with Wigington going forward? More minutes? Figure out the role as it goes? I mean, it, there has to be some kind of game plan you got to figure with Wigington and finding a role for him, even if it is off the bench and, and trying to find a way to get him maybe up towards that 25-minute game mark. Yeah, you know, his 17 minutes Saturday were a career low. And, uh, you know, him and Prome met, met Sunday, talked about it. Prome kind of expl- went on a long spiel explaining why it ended up being 17 minutes that he's going to try to put him in at the 14 mark, and there wasn't a dead ball until 11 and a half. So that cut out three minutes, and then he's going to put it back in the, at the under four media timeout in the second half, and then they were up 15, which he didn't necessarily predict against Kansas. So basically talking about how seven minutes came off his line. But I think that's going to be in Prome's head a little bit more. Um, you can't probably wait till the eight-minute mark of the first half to get him in. I think Wigginton's got to play better when he comes in. He went 2 of 11, but he's he's arguably their best player or right up there, so he's got to play more minutes. And Combs, when all is said and done, they're probably going to play more four perimeter guys most of the time mm-hmm. between five guys, and he thinks 
all of them are going to get their minutes, whether it's you know 32 or something like that. Uh, if you were putting out power rankings at the Cyclone Alert right now regarding the Big 12 uh, men's basketball, wh- wh- who would you have number one? Did you leave Kansas there based on them being Kansas? Or now with the, the news that Azubuke is out, what you saw with your own two eyes on Saturday, um, is Kansas, in your mind, still the team to beat? I think probably just until we see kind of see them a little bit longer. Um, obviously, the Azubuke thing hurts them. De Silvio is going to be a question. If he gets back, they can be a different team. If not, if the NCAA never grants him anything, then I, I think they're going to have a rough go of it just in, in some style of game, you know, because they don't really shoot well from beyond the arc, and they're kind of all pounded inside it. And so they're kind of, you know, depending on what Dedrick Lawson does. So I'd probably still put them number one, maybe Iowa State two, then Texas Tech three, or you know, people maybe would argue Texas Tech two. Um, but mm-hmm. I think those three have been kind of the clear te- clear teams just one weekend. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas kind of responds here. And the thing with them is you just don't see them probably losing at home. And you know, they've been always the team that can go on the road and win some games. And so that's going to kind of be the question. And that's probably a big question beginning tonight with Iowa State is, can they consistently find ways to win some of these games on the road? Is the conversation growing? Iowa State getting able to play close to home now? They were the host when the NCAA tournament was here in Des Moines back in 2016. No longer the case. Is that getting a lot of conversation? Cyclones getting to play 30 minutes away from Ames? Yeah, it's funny. After the Drake game, I think it was in Wells Fargo, so it's perfect to mention it in my story. I said if they don't play better than this, they're not going to be playing at Des Moines. And now a few weeks later, I think three weeks later here, we're talking about if they keep playing like this, they might play in Des Moines. So things can obviously change quickly, but I think top four seed protected at home if they're a top four seed they're probably in Des Moines otherwise it probably depends on matchups so it's going to be interesting you know right now you know they're trending towards that if, if they can have a sort of record you know that maybe some of these projections are are pointing towards I think Ken Palm went from 10 wins on Saturday and right after the win went up to 12 mm. in conference so obviously a game like that shifts things shifts expectations and I think that's what we've seen happen Good stuff, Alex Halstead. Appreciate your contribution, as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Alex Halstead. CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. You have an opinion on this game tonight, Trent? I don't have a great feeling. Something something stinks, doesn't it? I'm just not sure the Baylor's... I don't think they're very good. I'm with you. I think Iowa State's going to move to 3-0 in conference. They should. Why is it only two? Shouldn't they? Because be, it's the road. It's I, a I road game. Yeah. Guess maybe coming may a little bit of a letdown after beating Kansas in the fashion that they did this past weekend. This is not a style points game. No, it's good. I agree with you. Yes. Doesn't matter. If you're if it, tuning in to see what you thought, what you saw on Saturday, right, you're going right. to be, you know, if you walk out of there with a 52-51 win, mm-hmm. be happy. Absolutely. Be happy. This is not. Oh boy, you know we didn't look very good here. It, no, don't have that conversation. Over under minutes for Wigington tonight. 21 20. is my number. Where are you going? I was at 22. Where are you? So slightly over. Yeah, seems like Prom uh, realized that um, we had that conversation, as Alex just said, uh, player-coach mm-hmm. conversation regarding the minutes. 17. Uh, Wigington can't be happy with that. It's, I guess it's a good problem I wouldn't be. Would you? Well, not if I came back to play 17 minutes. Right. Um, but you know what? It's a team sport. Hate to say it. Whose minutes are going to take this past Saturday? We'll watch the game. Not Halliburton. No, at the defensive end of the floor. He's still he's, he's put in some work. Yes. Uh, we'll come back.
11 o'clock hour coming up next. We're going to do some quarterback NFL conversation. Zubin Mahente, look forward to Zubin. He's a regular Tuesday guest on the program. Miller and Condon here till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.